Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what is Mike Time? Mike Time is a set of short stories that have happened throughout my lifetime, experiences of mine throughout my lifetime, that have taught me lessons that I hope will be of value to you. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, deliver advice that sharpens your focus, as well as providing expert information regarding real estate, finance, and market conditions. Daniel, thank you for joining us for the Mike Litton Experience Pod. I appreciate you being here. Yeah, good to see you, man. Thanks for having me, Dave. So, as, as, as we talked about, the, everybody has a story, and our yeah. passion is to help them tell it, okay? Yeah. So we're going to have you tell your story, and then we're going to talk about the things that you're doing right now. Um, you know, full disclosure, you and I work together, yeah. and I loved every minute of it, right? So that's one of the reasons why I was so pumped to do this, because... Yeah. I want to. I want people to hear what made you into who you are. Okay, and one of the things that we know from our podcast is there are going to be. It's literally. It's going worldwide. Okay, and there are going to be people that are going to hear your story, and they're going to be inspired and motivated from it. Sure. You're going to connect with them on some level somehow because there's something in your past that, that's similar with theirs, right? Mm -hmm. And there'll be a connection, and things will happen in a positive way because of it. So that's why we do what we do, okay? Yeah. All right, so let's start off with, where were you born? <laughs> I was born in um, Glendale, California, so just, just east, like kind of east LA-ish. Okay. Over there. Okay. And my parents lived in um, a place called Eagle Rock, which oddly enough, so when I was six, which is right by where I actually went to college, which is Occidental College. Okay. And now when I was six, they moved to the suburbs of LA in Ventura County. Okay. Get out of at that point, Eagle Rock was pretty, I guess, pretty pretty difficult as far as gang activity and mm -hmm. stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. So they moved over to Ventura County, um, and that's kind of when I was six years old, and moved into a nice house, the cul-de-sac, and it was a big uh, level up for my family for sure, because uh, we had this kind of small and you know, it, my brother was nine when we moved and yeah, just demographically much different uh, than my parents wanted to raise us and I, you know. I got you. So. What'd your dad do? My dad is, uh, he still is, he is a, gener he is a HVAC contractor. So okay. Cool. He, he does, uh, air conditioning, heating, all air that. Air conditioning, thing. heating, and then he got into home inspection also, so because, you know, at right around, probably about 20 years ago, we started doing home inspections too. Okay. And started adding that service and working with some realtors and diversifying a little bit. Okay, diversify a little bit. So he did a lot of commercial buildings, all that stuff. And now my dad still, my dad is seventy three, and we always joke, well, we seventy three that my dad will just never retire because like yeah. he's got to be working. Yeah, you know, I know that feeling. So he works his ass off every day for sure. <laughs> so what about your mom? What did your mom do? So my mom, she's a nurse practitioner. So she, um, my parents have a pretty incredible story where they're both from the East Coast and my mom, so my dad was, they met pretty young. My dad was 23, my mom was just 17 mm -hmm. and they ended up meeting in New York City. My dad 
had grown had grown up in an orphanage and oh, wow. uh, yeah pretty intense in the 1950s and 60s wow. when Long Island New York yeah and uh, you know 15 was kind of on his own with his brother younger brother and them in the apartment and you know selling whatever they could to get by and all that scrapping to make it work scrapping and make it work and my mom <clears throat> my mom was studying to go to nursing school so and he ended up helping her get through nursing school she had her family kind of de- departed in a way went to florida like divorces all that stuff so they kind of had this real they've been now together for feels like 100 years you know <laughs> um so it sounds like 50 if he's 73 and they met when he was 23 that's right yeah, right that's 50 years i've known each other that's a long time years that's a long time half century incredible yeah. right and um, so my mom's a nurse practitioner. She has one of the most thriving practices up in Newbury Park, California, where I'm from. So she does all functional medicine where, and my mom is like major high energy, yeah. like energy to, for days. And um, she, well, she has a pretty cool practice because she finds the root cause of all issues. So if someone comes in with allergies for whatever reason or severe headaches or any other reason, thyroid problems, it doesn't matter. She does all the blood work to figure out is it food allergy? Is it you know? Is it um, you know? Uh, is it uh, environment? Mm-hmm. Is it X? And so she has a real, and she she's booked three months out. Like if I want to get an appointment to book my mom, I got I got to wait three months. Wow, that's cool, mom. man. So she's jamming all day. I love that. that yeah, is so she's cool. incredible. So all in the health the health health industry, you know, health world, and so that's how you grew up. You grew up in a healthy household. It sounds like extremely. Yeah. So my my. Um, Exactly. So my, yeah, healthy household is super, I mean, my, I have a brother who's three years older. Um, and so, you know, we are super close. We were both athletes growing up. We were both competing growing up, like you name it. My brother's way bigger than me. So we whooped my ass like, mm-hmm. as much as he could, like, yeah. you know. That's what brothers do. That's what brothers do. That's the older one. He's still, he's always got 40 pounds no matter what. Yeah. Like there's no way I'll ever, you know. Um, so yeah, no, absolutely. So my mom was always like, as a nurse, and it was different because like diets changed so much this mm-hmm. last 10 years. Um, and so, and most people in like, you know, typical Western medicine are just like prescribing medication. My mom was always like, no, we had to fix it with food. Right. And so if we were creating, you know, not, not too much sugar, like she, you know, like the things that like you can, as a parent, you do, but like she was more intentional about it when we were younger. So and more like, strict about it. More so, strict about yeah. it. So that's yeah. good for you, man. Fitness, health, like it was just like major part of our upbringing. Like that's longevity. Cool. You know, I love it. And then we always work on my dad because he's an Italian dude that just wants to eat pizza and pasta. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, have his popcorn and ice cream. And all yeah, but see, opposites attract, right? That's right. You know, it makes them a great team. No, it's a great team. My dad's a healthy dude, though. My dad's very active. Yeah. So my dad was always an athlete growing up. And my brother and I were really fortunate to be, become athletes and competitive athletes and super high level athletes. And my dad, because he grew up in an orphanage, never got an opportunity to play any organized sports. Yeah. But he's always incredibly talented at it. Oh, that's cool. And um, my dad still whooped my ass on ski mountain. Really? Like, not even signing close. I love it. I'm signing close. Like, Mr. Competitive, he's I love it. He's <laughs> competitive <laughs> and just, just very athletic. Yeah. You know? That's cool, man. He started skiing in his 30s and, you know, kind of picked that up. But great basketball player, playing, you know, baseball I player. I love it. So, so where'd you go to high school? I went to, uh, I just went to two different high schools. So I went to, um, so I went to a place called Newbury Park High School, then it transferred to a school called Westlake High School. And at that point, we had the number one football team in the country, like at least like power rankings. Is that why you transferred? 
I transferred because I was a dual sport athlete. So my when I was in Newbury Park, exactly. So I was a I was a football basketball player, and I was on you know varsity basically my freshman year of both. Right. And but the problem was like the head football coach and the basketball coach didn't like they didn't they didn't drive like playing football and basketball is kind of challenging. Yeah. Because football runs in the basketball. It's one of those things, and like. But in general, I want I wanted to go to a place like I had more opportunity. I had better friends at Westlake. We were on some all star teams together and all that growing up. And um, ended up going to Westlake High School. We should graduate from Westlake High School that was before. Um, yeah. So I mean, went to high school there and had a great experience. I mean, great social experience. And for me, like I, so like as a I, I had so sport. I never saw past sports. So. My life was always about like when am I gonna when will I be a professional athlete? Right. Like when I am, how's it gonna look? I never I honestly couldn't conceive business. I had no interest in school. Yeah. It was like I get through it, two point five, three oh. I mean I got three oh in high school or something, but mm-hmm. P they get me get an A, so kind of yeah. you know sort of sort of ways yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You're pushing the curve, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did summer school every year for math. Right. Like I struggled in math. Yeah. And obviously that's all I do all day now. Yeah. Which is which interesting. It's kind of ironic, yeah. I just never could understand how it applied. And I think it was just like, if it doesn't apply to something that makes sense today for me, I would just be like, well, it's kind of irrelevant. Right. I'll what am I doing here? What am right. I doing here? Yeah. So, yeah. growing up, yeah. who was the most influential person in your life? Oh, man. There's multiple. No, like... I just think like everyone grows up, like there's different phases in my life where different people were a major impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so like in the athletic sports world, I had a couple different and really impactful people. I had great, some great coaches. My cross the street neighbor, um, and I would say that, actually my high school, like in my high school basketball or high school football um, kind of yearbook, mm-hmm. get right from the influential person, I actually wrote his name, his name is Curtis Webb. Because at the time, so Curtis, uh, African American dude, like basketball player, played with Magic Johnson in Michigan Ooh, State. Wow! And when I was a kid, and I'd be shooting basketball hoops in front of, I'd be, I mean, there was an article written about me when I was twelve years old because I was like the number one basketball player in the area, and I was on all star teams in like LA. I was a point guard, shooting guard. And I was a sixth grader in like a seventh and eighth grade league. Yeah, and it was like uh, AAU, and. Um, and Curtis, when I was maybe in third grade, I think he moved into that, and he was a lot of the reason for that because he'd always be like, he'd always give me those like, someone's working when you're not, like, you know, because he understood. He was just one of those guys that, unfortunately, passed away about two years ago. Um, he was just always telling me like, if had a game, like, go practice for the game, go shoot, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So like, he was just like very impactful. In that way, sorry. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's all good. That brings up a lot of memories. Yeah. Um, and obviously, my dad. You know, like um, we talk. Everyone talks about hard work and work ethic and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Like, like my dad. Like my earliest memories are. So my dad was an HP. He's a contractor, so he's leaving every day at six a.m. Mm-hmm. And my dad's one of those dudes that will never buy anything new. Mm-hmm. He will fix it yeah. for a hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so he had this truck that wouldn't start right away. Right. This loud muffler, dude. 
And every morning next to my window, my dad was parked. Yeah. And I hear this, see, I, that's what I'd wake up to. Yeah. It's 16, this big ass truck. Yeah. And then he hit the gas to like get it, you know, just yeah. every morning. Yeah. And just there was your, there was your alarm clock. <laughs> 6 a.m. every morning, I hear that and I pop out of bed. But like, obviously my dad, I mean, just like I've had great, great people around me, luckily, that really t- took care of me and helped me. Um, but like, you know, there's there's so many kind of like great teachers. Um, I mean. Coaches, yeah. Great coaches. You know, I just like, I think, but people that weren't a coach, weren't a teacher. And obviously my brother was a big impact. He always looked out for me and took care of me. But those are always the, you know, the people I always think about came top of mind, like who was a big impact yeah. early in my life. You know, so did you do, do you feel like you excelled because you were trying to beat your brother? Like you were trying to yeah, you had that, that motivation to, yeah. right? I mean, that's yeah. you know, I tell people all the time yeah. do not underestimate the power oh, of an older sibling, no, right? Because yeah. and it's and you can see it when you raise kids, you can see it. Yeah, the firstborn, <laughs> the firstborn will walk whenever the firstborn walks, but right. the secondborn will walk faster sooner yeah, they because do. they're watching the firstborn walk out the crib or walk out yeah. the, the nursery, right? Yeah. They're, it's, you know, I, I want to be, right? Yeah. So like when Michael was going to school, my daughter was two and a half, almost mm-hmm. three. She had to be three to go to preschool. Right. We would go to his recitals and he was 20, 20 months older. We'd go to his recitals, he'd be up on stage and I'd have her on my lap. I'd let go of her and she'd jump off my lap and run up on stage. Right, she was ready to yeah. be on stage. She was ready to be in preschool yeah. way before it was preschool age. Right. You know, don't it. ever underestimate the power of an older sibling. You know, it's you great. Can't, dude. Yeah, you can't. An older sibling for sure. My brother, my brother's like, you just yeah, we're hyper competitive. Of course you are. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know how competitive you are, and I even met your brother. <laughs> He's a psycho. My dad's a psycho. Yeah, I love it. Like my dad, you know, like I said, so my dad, and the only, I can say a drum, we'd always play basketball in the front, the front yard. My dad never let me win yeah. until I could actually be. Yeah. There was no like, oh, I'm gonna let you shoot some points on me. He's like, no, I'm gonna beat you up. No, I'm gonna, gonna like, there's no, yeah. like, yeah. but we would get into fights in the front yard yeah. and would come in the house, I'd be all pissed off. Yeah. Like, and like that, that, that's just my dad. Yeah, that's He's cool, right, man. You know? Gotta love it because all he's doing yeah, is man. teaching you standards, right? He'd always tell me, it's like, he'd always tell me when you're frazzled is when you focus. Yeah. You know, you get fouled, you don't like it, cool, focus. Right. Nobody cares. Yeah. You know? Plus, you Nobody remember cares. lessons you learn when yeah. you're pitched emotionally. Oh, yeah. Right? You'll never forget them. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, no, he, he whooped, he'd whoop my ass, he'd foul me when I got a little bigger. He'd be like, okay, cool, like, go shoot free throws. Like, yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Because basketball's really my first love. It was really my first love. So like that was that was what I spent most of my time doing early, like just nonstop playing, you know. Gotcha. So after after high school, yeah, where'd you go? After high school, so I ended up going to a junior college. Like I had um uh yeah, like I had a I athletically didn't go where I wanted to go my junior and senior year. So it was it was like it's hard when you're when you're the number one team in the country. We had nine guys go to Division One. Mm-hmm. It was a football. And I was a football basketball player, and I really didn't know what the hell sport I was going to play in college. I said, "I'm playing. I'm playing football or basketball. I'm going to go out and play around." And I actually went out um, to a junior college, um, 
you know, deciding to play football. I didn't know why. I just loved the game. Mm -hmm. I think I was probably a better basketball player than I was football player. Mm -hmm. I just loved it. And yeah. I was just like, my best friends, my best friends, football players, like, I'm going to go play football. And I knew I could, you know, play. And I ended up, I ended up going as, uh, as a receiver. I was going to play receiver. And within the first day, I went back to quarterback, which is kind of the position I was playing a lot mm -hmm. in high school. And um, yeah, so I went to Moorpark College. Was there for two years. I actually moved to safety into my second year. Um, I led the conference in like every notable category as a defensive player. So it was like, and but the problem was, and so I had a, a lot of one double A offers, things like that. And um, but I was pretty immature. And it's like I remember telling my parents like, if I stayed one more year, because I ended up kind of gray shirt in my first year at mm -hmm. Park. I say one more year, I'll go to USC or UCLA or one of these. I was like, I want to, I really just want to go to the NFL. Like, sure. I'm going to the NFL. I got to go to a big school. Right. Okay. And so um, next stepping stone. Yeah. Next stepping stone. And I ended up going to, and I, you know, took, took, went, went to a few different schools, looked at one double A programs I really liked, but I just was like, ah. And uh, my parents are like, your, your money is on you for college. And my brother was kind of assistant coaching at Occidental College, which is a you know, D3 school in Eagle mm -hmm. Rock. Mm -hmm. And he was coaching, um, he's linebackers coach, mm -hmm. and, and I knew the head coach there. He played there, it was a D3 school, but there was a lot, it was interesting kind of, it was the powerhouse D3 school. So like, there was a few guys that had NFL looks. So I was like, ah, you know, I can kind of be matured to go there. Ended up going Occidental. And it was like, for me, I was like, I kind of was, le I felt like I left, I was like, ah, oh, it's a D3, and I don't know if I want to, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I had a great experience. Honestly, I, I, it was it was the right move for me emotionally. Mm -hmm. I think, I think I, I think I was really mature, and I needed I did need some support from family around. And, you know, they're about an hour away. Mm -hmm. um, you know, could have gone either way, but about an hour away from home. My brother was coaching there. He was living in Burbank at the time, which wasn't far. But I ended up you know playing there three years. I broke every notable record there. I think I had 23 interceptions there. Like, I had a great career, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I won, you know. So, did that. And, you know, I always, I always knew I could play at the higher level. I said, I, I can go play. Right. You know, like I, I know I have the ability to go play. I was a sociology major. You know, had some great friends. But I was just kind of there. It's a good, it's a great school. Yeah. Shit, I don't even know. I don't think... I don't know. And, and the funny thing I always talk about for me with college is I don't think I would have went if it wasn't for sports. Yeah. I, for I me, gotcha. Yeah. A lot of people feel that way. Because, like, sports were like, well, you know, and it's great because, like, as a student athlete, like, and one of the things my parents always were big on growing up was, like, is keeping us busy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, period. And we're busy ass kids mm -hmm. and we're big kids and like to work out, lift weights, do all that stuff. It's like, yeah. Like we that, that they could have we could have been directed into doing some bad shit. Well, they got you got to have an outlet, right? You got to have something that 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 works off all that energy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we ended up. I ended up yeah. So it was it was a great experience. But like yeah, um, when, I mean I think one of I mean and, and at that school you had some great players go through there. I mean, um, you know Vance Mueller is probably the most notable played for the Raiders for a few years. Um, he went there. Jim Mora, mm -hmm. those guys wow. went there. Jack Kemp went there, and they came back. You know, we, you know, yeah. Occidental back in the day was pretty competitive. They play against USC and all this and that, yeah. not too far away. Um, and they come come back and sometimes do some, you have some pep talks with us. So like, it's like a really cool. I like can it's like a small, very small school. I mean, our games have five hundred people. 
Oh wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. 800 people. So like, when I had to get my film out, yeah. I was just emailing it. I mean, so I, I wanted to play professionally. I, I self-promoted. Yeah. I created all my highlight films, game films. I sent it to every, there's a website called, uh, so I, I hired an agent who found me from some YouTube, I think YouTube or something, mm -hmm. saw my stuff. There's a, there's a website called europlayers.com. Okay. And Europlayers is great for American athletes that have an opportunity to play football in Europe. Okay. So europlayers.com. So I post myself on Europlayers and they had an agent, and I started having agents calling me. And I'm like, oh shit, okay. Yeah. You know? That's cool. End up hiring an agent to do that in Canada. I'm still one, I still think one of the problems, the best salespeople I've ever talked to. Oh, yeah. And this is like 15 years ago. Yeah. But he said some ridiculous shit. But like age, all agent, you know? Um, and if he had signed him signing with the team in arena football, mm -hmm. and um, so that was the year that, so there was a year where arena, arena, arena one is, I think people main it, it's kind of like double A baseball, right? right? Like it's kind of like the farm league, yeah. you could get it the NFL, but it's a different kind of game, right? And no, but you, you pay, you make some money. I think you make like 80 grand or something yeah. like that. And I was like, okay, I'll try going there. And, but that was the year arena one was on the hiatus. There was a strike. Oh, so there used to be a team called the, um, LA Avengers. Yeah, I remember that. Right? Yeah. And so I was in the Farm League of the Chicago Rush. I ended up going to Peoria, Illinois. Really? really? No. Yeah. I was like, where the hell am I? Yeah. So really I landed good. in Pekin, Illinois. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't even know where I am right now. Yeah. This is like the middle of nowhere. So what did you play in the Arena League? Uh, a, a, a position called DS, uh, Defensive Specialist. Okay. So if you're watching arena where like the guys run, you have you have forward motion. Yeah, it's the guy who guards those guys. Okay, I got you. Some of them okay. are yeah, yeah. Some guarding like these five eight, 150 pound receiver because yeah. it's like arena is a very different game. It is a very different. That are running game. at me full speed or run a fucking four three. Four. Right. That's why I was asking. That's why I was yeah, asking yeah. what you were what you what, you know, yeah because it's like you're gonna be yeah. a safety in in the arena league. It's a come on, it's a different kind. It's of a track game. meet, dude. It's just it a crazy. Track meet, dude. It's crazy. So I played defensive specialist and I returned kicks and punts. Yeah, and then that was so I'm doing that, and then shortly, you know, I I, I got so I, when I got there, I wasn't in shape, and so that was one of the, that was the most humbling experience I had because I was I came from. And at a, you know, I came from being the guy mm -hmm. at a small school, mm -hmm. but having the national recognition and all this stuff, but yeah. I'm like, okay, to going into an arena two team, because there wasn't arena one anymore. Right. So all the arena one guys were now in arena two. Right. So you had some real players, guys that now the NFL. Some top grading going on. Yeah. Top guys, top guys rolling up in these, we had this crap, I remember, I'll never forget, like, we had this crappy outdoor hotel, it's like 12 degrees during training camp, mm -hmm. right? Hell, and these guys rolling up, and this this in this area is just it's peaking Illinois. Mm -hmm. I don't like if you Google it. Yeah. I think if you, yeah. I don't know what the hell's there. Yeah. A bunch of round bales. People, <laughs> people rolling up and like blacked out escalators because yeah. they were like in the in the NFL the year prior. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, dude, and that was the first moment where I I, I go in there. I really didn't train in the offseason. Like, I work out. I'm good. I'm just gonna go play. And I looked to the left. I looked to the right. I'm like. Yeah. That guy's the same size as me, he's just as fast. Hour, that yeah. guy's the same size as me, he's just as good. And I'm just like, okay. Yeah. You know? That was humbling. Different, I mean, different deal now. Yeah. Different deal. I got cut. And I'm getting cut. And, you know, I ended up getting there a little, a little bit. But I got cut. And I was like, I've never been cut before. Right. 
but it's a whole new experience. I've never not made a team before. Mm-hmm. I've never, this is a fair, like, well, and this is arena too. Higher tide, yeah. And because they're the way that work was, because they don't really pay much. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I ever signed a contract where there was actual incentives. Mm-hmm. You get an interception, and you get this much money. Right. right. You get you score a touchdown, it's this much money. And yep. I was like, okay. And I didn't really. And um, it's so funny because I still say a quote to this day that the coach told me there. I forget his name. He because he remember I remember he there was a big room of us all in there, and he was kind of going through and you know the. You know, and if I know some of you guys don't want to be here, kind of talk, and mm-hmm. some of you, whatever. I remember him saying, Well, if you're going to play anywhere, you might as well play somewhere. Yeah. And I remember being like, All right. Because mm-hmm. I was really indifferent about the opportunity. Because it wasn't, because I had a college degree, they were, they set me up as an assistant teacher to um, help teach during the day because they couldn't pay us enough. They couldn't pay me enough money. So I had an assistant, like basically substitute teaching up for $80 a day. Wow. Combined with um, the salary. So you were teaching for the team? No, like high school or. So you were teaching for the local school? Substitute. Wow. Okay. And I was just like, this is bizarre. But I've never heard of this. Yeah, this is this is interesting. Right. Um, so I was older, you know, and, and then I had my incentives. I think they paid us like $600 a month or something. Mm-hmm. It was like not it wasn't much. Much. It wasn't kind of no, so that's why here's such a teaching opportunities, and then you know here's your incentives in the contract. You know, but I got cut. I mean, I, I was barely there. You know, um, played, but like, and then you know that was that they were they were a run of the mill guys earning out. But I you know I wasn't in shape. You know, I lost some weight. I thought I was going to get a little faster. I just wasn't in shape, and so I came home and I just was like, that shit ain't never happening again. You know, I'm not going to play. Like, I just didn't have it done. I was like, I'm still playing. There's no freaking way this is ever gonna end. Like, until I get to, I'm signing my NFL contract. Like, right. I am signing, like, I, that's what I'm doing. This is this is not ending any other way. And I just worked my 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 tail off, dude. I mean, I grinded, I ended up going, and I ended up getting an opportunity to play in the GFL, which they called me prior, so they found me in Euro players mm-hmm. to go play in German football. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember sitting in a bank when they called me and going like, I have no money in my account, maybe like 150 bucks, depositing some check, you know? And like, I get a call from this random number and I'm like, you know? And this guy named Morrow said, hey, I'm, re- I'm recruited for the Mavericks, and I'm, you know? I'm like, okay. Because I at that point, I'm like, when I got cut, I called him back. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, I'm actually interested, you know? And that was, that was you know, because I was like, I'm playing. Like, I'm not gonna let this. And and so I ended up going out there. I want to play 11-11 football anyway. Mm-hmm. And I got, I got, I spent the next few months really training and getting back into the shape I need to get in and really lifting and really getting on the field every day and doing all, doing all things I had to do. Really working my footwork because I knew, I mean, I'm on 11 200 pound dude. I need to be able to return kicks. Mm-hmm. I can't just be, I can't just be a, a safety. Well, yeah. And I need to be able to play some offense too. Mm-hmm. And they said, because you're only allowed in, in Europe, you only have four Americans on each team. So you're you, basically. You need, to, you need to increase your utility. So yeah. yeah, two guys on offense, two guys on defense. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm not going to return punts. It, 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 luckily, so the, the punter of, our, of my college team was the number one called punter in the country of all divisions. Cool. So, and we had a couple of these guys come through there, oddly mm-hmm. enough, you know, getting shots, a lot of NFL shots and all that. But it kicked the hell out of the ball. So I'm like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go work on my punt returning ability, I'm gonna go work on my kick returning ability, I'm not just gonna, and I'm gonna be able to play receiver. 
and not going to the combines and all that stuff. And yeah, so I ended up playing in the GFL and just and I had an incredible, I, had, I led the team in touchdowns. I was a safety. Mm-hmm. Led the team in touchdowns for the first nine games okay. as a safety because I was returning mm-hmm. kicks, punts, and I ended up returning, you know, and, um, and then I had a tremendous injury out there which really changed my trajectory. Mm-hmm. And that was tough. So I ended up severing my four ligaments, my left ankle, and that was really bad. And but out there, it was kind of interesting. You get a six-week break in the middle of the season because everyone goes on like holiday. Mm-hmm. So um, I ended up like I ended up doing my, having an ankle injury, and I mean it was bad. It was a third play of the game of July Fourth. It was actually July Fourth that they played over kind of near summer, and it was so bad. I ended up flying back home to UCLA doctors. My mom was in the medical field. Had a really good relationship. Well, know, knew the people at Corlin Joe. You know, mm-hmm. Corlin Joe, those are the people who worked on Kobe Bryant's mm-hmm. Achilles. Mm-hmm. So they're known to get people back from lower extremity injuries. I mean, they're one of the best, they're probably one of the best orthopedics in the world. Mm-hmm. Germany, I had free healthcare. I mean, they would have taken care of me. I just didn't trust right. or understand. Care, yeah. They told me six month cast, surgery, six month cast, and that was it. My season was over. Mm-hmm. So we had six weeks and we had playoffs. And I knew, so if we won the championship, I got paid a lot more money. There you go. So I was like, I don't want this to end. I don't want to be in a home in a freaking boot, you know? So I'm flying home for treatment, and I was home for about six weeks. And I saw Corlin Joe, and they said no surgery. I mean, I severed four ligaments in my left ankle. Like, it was a tremendous injury. And, um, like. Why did they say no, no surgery? Because I said they said I didn't need it. So in Germany they said six months hard cast surgery, right. six months. Colin Joe said you don't have to do surgery if you have physical therapy protocol. Wow. And the physical therapy now I'm in a boot, and I had a you know you know those tight mm-hmm. uh, a tight um, I ended up wearing that for about a year and a half. My ankle was swollen for about a year and a half. Like it was wow really bad. And um, I had play end up so end up so. Oddly enough, so this kind of goes back to the health side. My mom, I, I had a physical therapist I'd seen since I was 13 years old, mm-hmm. who always did an incredible work job for me. I worked, worked on my shoulder, I had you know, shoulder surgery, worked on my, my little back, worked, and I just was like, I'm gonna go see Dan. And Dan, Dan Wick, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go see Dan. He's my guy, I'm not saying anybody else. And if I, if I could afford it, I would have flown to Germany, right. you know? And that, you know, pool workouts and all those things. I was back playing, I missed the first playoff game. I was back playing the last two games. We won, we ended up winning the GFL championship. That's so, awesome, dude. Yeah, I was probably 50%, 60%, wow. but I was on the field and playing. Yeah. And I was like, you know, that was a uh, yeah, tremendous, you know, at that point, it was a big deal. So what happens after GFL? <laughs> after that, I, I came home, I said, I'm going to the NFL. Like, um, I don't want, like, I had an opportunity to play in, in Europe, in Germany. I could have probably played for 10 years. Okay. You know, and and uh, loved it there. An opportunity to play in the number one team in Europe, what's called the Graz Giants in Austria. And I was like, you know, I just, I don't know. Like, I want, I really want to take my shot. Cause I didn't want to go back to, I didn't want to try the arena route again. I just, I didn't like the game as much. I'd rather play in Europe. They took care, great care of us. And um, ended up playing, going to the NFL Combine, and really doing well. And I had, that was one of the first moments. Because, you know, in Germany, two of my roommates, 
were Division One starters. One mm-hmm. of Virginia Tech, another one at Kansas State. Right. And it always tell me like, and for me it was always like this. I always thought I wanted to play. Could I get? Could I? And they're like, dude, you would have started at any university for sure. Uh-huh. So that was like to me. I was like, that was a huge like, I'm good enough, you know. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to try. So I ended up playing. Getting, I didn't end up get so went to the NFL those combines. Um, was a safety. Did put up great numbers. Had opportunities, and this is why I ended up hiring a new agent at the time. He got me um, opportunities with an OTAs. So I had a couple CFL teams. Was kind of kind of tryouts, um, but with the 49ers and the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I was twenty five. I just turned twenty five. 24. So I ended up taking a season off in the middle of there because I was still trying to find a team to play on. And I had a real, oddly enough, the, my best opportunity was with the Bengals. And I had a conversation with their, um, their, their, their team and everything, and they said, You're just too old. I was like, Holy That's shit. So That's amazing. I'm 25. Right. I finally, I've reached this point where I know, I know that I can play. Yeah. And I'm sitting in my um, gym, so I'm training in a gym at the time. It's a CrossFit gym, and I'm kind of competing and doing CrossFit. CrossFit was pretty new in its infancy, but I was training people. I, I trained people in there all the time. Athletes would come in. I would train a ton of stunt people that were really starting CrossFit. Just going to climb ropes, and I was, I was lifting in there. I could drop weight, so I could do Olympic lifting. I could do my cleans and all that. And uh, yeah, so what ended up happening was I, I'm sitting in the, sitting in the gym. It's like six thirty in the morning, and my six a.m. client doesn't show up. So I'm sitting there, I'm pissed off. I get a random call from like somewhere in Missouri. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and I don't know. I pick it up. It's like kind of before all the call ID, I guess. And this guy goes, "Hey, is this Daniel?" I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, "This is Mel Churchma." I was like, "Mel Churchma? Why do I know that name?" He's like, and "He's like, you're not going to believe this, but we have something called the USA National Team we're putting together, and I'd love to invite you to be on it." I'm like. Fucking prank call, dude. Like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? He's like, Are you in shape? I'm like, well, I'm sitting in a gym right now. Mm-hmm. Put it in context. And he's like, So Mel Churchma, and I knew who he was because he recruited me out of my JC, which is Northwest Missouri State. If you're familiar with Northwest Missouri State, they're the most winning college D2 program mm-hmm. in the history of college football. Yeah, I've heard of him before. Yeah. And Mel Churchma was their head coach. I've heard his name. You've heard it for sure. Yeah. You've heard of Mountain Union? Uh-huh. Yeah. Three. So Mount, the Mountain Union was the offensive coordinator. So then I was invited to play on the USA national team. And yeah, I had four weeks. So that was a, that was, that was, that was a pinnacle of my, my, my football career. Where um, I was, you know, cause I was at that point, I was kind of unsure what I wanted, but, was, but I ended up being on the USA national team, which is the World Cup of American football, uh-huh. right? And yeah. so, um, and it was real. And they're like, we had a training camp in Wabash, Illinois at Wabash at Wabash College and I fly out there and we have our training camp and we are we are we ship to Austria to play in the World Cup of American Football, which is put on by IFAT, mm-hmm. International Federation of American Football. It was cool. So I had to head all my all my stuff on Euro players, mm-hmm. like all that, and then they actually found me because of my combine. Yeah. Because I was still playing and still looking to play. So I looked at my I had the I had the top I had the number one combine numbers of all safeties. Ooh, that's cool. That year, that helps. But I was twenty-five. Right. Too old. So <laughs> too old. Because I had like all my numbers were super my my forty, my short shuttle, my bench press, my vert, like ranked me the highest over and to end my body weight, considering my body weight and size. So 
I was like, okay, so I ended up actually being the, the starter, and I started at safety and talking trainer, and I beat out, this was like, I beat out, dude, I forget his name, good buddy of mine. He, he played for the Jaguars for three years. I beat him out for starting a talking trainer. Oh, wow. And, um, but he was, he was a really good corner. I mean, he was a baller. But he wasn't too old. No. He was, <laughs> well, he was, yeah, he was 24. Yeah. 23. <laughs> but he wasn't too old. Fast as shit. Like a 425 or something crazy. That's crazy. But yeah, starting at safety. And then, you know, we ended up winning a gold medal. I mean, US, you know, our gold medal against Canada. Mm-hmm. So we were in the bracket. It was us, Australia, which was great. Mexico, which was tough as nails, and in Germany. So all my buddies that played the GFL with were on the German team, which was a lot of fun. Oh, that's cool. So we had, yeah, we had three games, and um, it's still it's still the greatest experience I've ever had, like as far as sports goes, because it was like I've never played with so many professionals. Yeah. Like true pros, practice so professional. Yeah. The way people treat each other, just the up, like the, the top of the top tier type of athletes. Mel Churchman was the head coach. Um, well, probably had a lot to do with it too. Yeah, he mm-hmm. did. Great guy, dude. He really had, he brought an incredible staff, and we only had a week. I think we had a week of training camp, mm. and then we played four. You know, you know football. We played yeah. four games in seventeen days. Wow, that was the tournament. That's so three, insane. which you know, you have a, you need a week to prepare for yeah. every game. Hello. So we had um we ended up, um yeah you know so we ended up having a. Basically, I mean, yeah, we had, we had three games in a place called Innsbruck, Austria, mm-hmm. which was like freaking gorgeous. Oh, yeah. most beautiful place I've ever been. And the gold medal game in the Vienna soccer stadium. Oh. You know, and mm-hmm. I was like, there's 75,000 people here. And I'm like, you know, we ended up beating the crap out of Canada, which is fun. And there you go. I mean, that was, that was it. You know, at that point, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do, yeah. you know? Like I, I didn't, like I said, I never saw passports. You still have your gold medal? Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I do. It's it's sitting in uh, my closet. You know, I see it every day. That's cool. It's hanging in my closet, and my kids ask about it, and I always knew, you know, I have my helmet, I have my jersey. Mm-hmm. You know, good, man. I have like, yeah. So after football, after yeah. you win your gold medal, then what happened? <laughs> I was lost. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I was lost. It was like, it's hard to describe running out of a stadium with 75 or 80,000 people screaming your name and you're at the top of the world and then flying home and being in a room you grew up in. Yeah. With little kid stuff yeah. on the walls and a teddy bear there and you're like. That's an adjustment. I'm, no, I'm really, mm-hmm. that was great, you know. Heavy stuff. Right. Now we're back to reality. Now I'm back to yeah. this. That was, it took me, you know, so I had, you know, I always built great relationships with my clients that I trained. And I had, um, I didn't want to be a coach. I, yeah. I was like, you know, I don't want to be a football coach. And if I can't play, I'm like, I'm good. It was one of those things I remember, I don't know if you remember your last game, but I remember sitting in the locker room after the, the game and I said, this is the last time I work football practice. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm I gonna let this I didn't, have that, I didn't have that experience. Mm. I was I was medically mm. I was medically um, and I didn't I didn't mm. I mean I sort of I sort of knew it but I didn't know it and um, I was medically disqualified so mm. um, so I gotcha. I never had a I never had that moment where where I was you know I yeah. my my thing was I was always looking forward to the next 
the next sure. year. Like I was looking forward to going out for for football the next right. year and all that. And yeah. I went to, went to the doctor to get cleared, and they, I had some clicking in my left knee. Uh, and he's like, well, "We need to take a look at this," and they did. And I have a degenerative, degenerative, a, a genetic degenerative disease in my in my knees. Really? And yeah, and my Shit. my cousin had it, and he played high school football and ended up with eight knee surgeries, that and still still is like oh, no. he's. I mean, he's you know, yeah. And he's older than me. He's probably sixty, sixty. 65, 63, something like that. And he's, you know, so it's just a, it's a family thing. You know, it's a, it's a genetic thing. And um, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you just, so for me, it, I had to, I had to, you know, I had had to pivot and I pivoted and, you know, I'm glad I did. I mean, it's, as it, when you look back, it's the best thing that could have happened to me, but you know, so, but anyway, so, so you're back, you're back at home. You you got a client that you so wh- let me ask you this yeah. why why not why not coach I think you'd be really good at it I was good at it like uh, yeah so I was good at it. it when I was doing some off season I ended up being um, and this is still actually the case so the the, the junior college team I was at yeah. in the off season because I was playing because Germany and uh, arena are kind of springish yeah. not during the fall which, right you know so I coached. The junior college and the, the the head coach called me he actually just passed away this year I was at his funeral um great guy he really helped me a lot in that junior college you know and he called me up at the time he said hey daniel i know you're around i need a defensive coordinator i was like you coordinator i was 22 right, right. i'm like 23 i'm like I, I know how to coach dvs but i'm no d coordinator and he was like i was like i was like you know like one of my and one of my best friends growing up is his name's mike stewart he was a uh, he was a Gatorade All-American, five-star guy. Went to USC in 2004 when Reggie Bush was there yeah. and the whole liner thing. Yeah. He went to Fred. He was at Fresno State at the time. He was just finishing. He, I knew he was GA, general assisting up right. there, and he wanted a coaching gig. And um, so I called him up. I said, I said, I said, coach. I said, dude, one, I said, Mike's around. I was like, he can probably be coordinating. Cause he he was a front seven guy, mm-hmm. and but he didn't know secondary. Right. But Mike, Mike was more of a he was a defensive lineman, you know, some linebackers. I was like, I called him. I was like, hey, bro, do you want a Cody coordinator? I'll just coach CDs, really. Right. Because I know the line, you know the line, and all that. And we did. We ended, we ended up winning a bowl game and That's doing cool. all this stuff together that year. Yeah. It was fun. And uh, he, now Mike's now the head coach. I'm more for a couple. Oh, years. you're kidding! Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, he's now the new head. He's been now the head coach there for ten years. Oh, that's awesome. You know, so what a great went, story. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, I'm, and uh, yeah, I was a great coach. I just, I didn't want the August to November to be blank anymore. You know, like I just reached a point where I just didn't want that. And the other thing is, I will honestly say is, I always had this desire to be at the top of whatever sport I was doing or anything I was doing, no matter what. It's like I'm going to be the best at it. And the local junior college to me wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to stay in the same town I grew up in. Right. And being a D1 coach or professional coach, you can live in a different place every damn year. Yeah, that's true. And I said, I don't want to live that life. I don't want to do the vagabond thing. I don't yeah. want to be that. I, and and I, I really do think I'd be, I could be coaching the NFL right now yeah. at, if I decided to really dive my way in there and be a coach. I know you could be. I, I worked with you enough, and I know you okay, well enough to know that. you absolutely could be. You absolutely could be. I was. I was this last this last Friday. I went to a scrimmage. Um, you know, I think you know. Yeah. I'm the voice yeah. of, yeah. of the kids. Of course, right. Yeah. So they went up to Tobacco. It's a Linfield Christian, and they had a scrimmage. 
And I'm, I have a bad back and I'm not able to sit for too long, yeah. you know, right? And so I, my back started spasming, so I got up and walked down and I, I like to stand next to the, to the sideline anyway and just, you know, watch sure. them leaning on the right. fence. And this guy walks up to me, random, you know, out of the blue, right? right. Never met him before in my life. Walks up and, and starts asking me questions about SEO Charter High School because I've got the right. I've got the football the football team's T-shirt on that, that said that they they won the Pacific League Championship for the last three years in a row, right? right? So he walks up and he goes, "So how long is it? How long, how far is it from here to Escondido?" I don't know. It didn't matter. I was coming, right? Whatever, yeah. I I don't know the answer. Or I, I never right. I never thought of it, you know, yeah, right? Yeah. And I didn't. I apologize. I never I never looked at the map, right? I just, right, right, you know, right. right. And so and we were headed to, we met my daughter in Zemecula for dinner that night. So we were going to the restaurant first and, right. you know, I just followed the, the Google map, right? I didn't, yeah. You know. So anyway, so we, we, he strikes up a conversation with me and we get to talking. Turns out his son played um, as a fullback for the Ravens, the Jets, Stop. and one other, one other team. Wow. And he's literally on the sideline coaching Linfield Christian. Wow. Sort of as a favor kind sure, of thing. Sure. But he's currently, he's in his sixth interview with the NFL wow. to become a coach in the NFL. And so we had a long talk about coaching and about yeah. his kid and you know, all this stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I watched his kid in action and you, he's got nothing on you. <laughs> he's got nothing on you. So. Um, you you absolutely would be an amazing. If you were decided yeah. to do it, you'd be an amazing coach in the NFL. I love coaching. I always I always loved. I was good at it. Yeah. I know I knew I was good at it. It just I just wasn't. My dad was like, "You got to be a coach. You got to coach." That's what his dad's doing. His right. dad's like, "Come right. on now, come on, right?" Do it. And that's what he was explaining to me. We were standing there on the sidelines. He's like, yeah. "I just got to get this kid motivated. I yeah. just got it right." And it's like, I mean, okay, he's going to do it if he wants right. to do it. You know what I mean? But oh, yeah, I, I mean, there's only so much. When, when your kid's grown and he's now a veteran of the <laughs> NFL, there's only so much kicking him in the ass. You're gonna, you know what I'm saying? He's a man. So, yeah. So, a lot, a lot of it for me was this. Like, honestly, it's like I always knew I'd have a family and I always knew I'd have kids. And I didn't want to be yeah. not with them all the time. Yeah. And yeah, because be, let's be honest, you check out for like seven months out of the year. I knew like that you're was just not, a you're just not available. I'd seen it. Yeah, right? and I just you like, gotta live it, dude. You gotta was, absolutely live it. I didn't want to move, and I, I thought about this young. I really did. I, I, I was like, I don't want to be the, the the family moving school districts yeah. and trying to run this route. And at that time, when I was really considering possibly getting into coaching, I just met my now wife. Yeah, and it's just that, like, you know, like I didn't. I had a girlfriend prior to that I was really close with. I, I thought I could we could potentially get married prior to me starting Arena. Oh, okay. And I knew what that did to our relationship of just me now being in Illinois versus Houston, California. And I remember being like, I really like this one. Yeah. You know? And the long distance relationship yeah. thing, it's just not it's not for me. Yeah. And she was in, she was getting her master's at the time. She's a therapist, mm -hmm. a marriage and family therapist. So you know, it's got to be, you know, smart. right? Yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, how'd you meet her? She walked into the gym to work out. Oh yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah, she did. That's I was talking about that last night with somebody. Yeah, she walked in the gym to work out. The first client I ever dated. That's awesome. I just never, you know, don't don't mess around where you yeah. work and type yeah. thing. I was yeah, just I'm like, like oh man, you know. And she comes in, I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. All right, and this girl's something different than That's the right. other ones. That's yeah. your attention, yeah. yeah. There you go. 
She did. That's awesome. And uh, she was she's an athlete. She still is an athlete. She was a D one pole vaulter, and then she was um, I must build it all about my wife. About my wife. She was a professional crossfitter after that. We ended up starting doing that's where we started. So that that was my next outlet. Was, okay. So I was still really figuring it out. So to answer your question, after football, and I, I started I started and I started it was 2011 at that point. I started being a professional crossfitter because yeah. crossfit was pretty new, and I was so you had to do something. I had to do something. Yeah, right? I mean, come on. And she was the same. She's yeah. better than I was. And she, you know, she signed some pretty decent little, you know, little crossfit competition. Yeah. Like, she win everything. But the crazy thing about my wife is that it's not like the shirt. She's the top. She was, she was a two-time state. She didn't start Olympic lifting until she was 23. Wow. This kind of full circle. My brother's a my brother's a strength conditioning coach. Yeah. He ends up opening the gym. He's in the training, trains my girlfriend, not my wife. Yeah. She, she ends up becoming the two, two-time two state champion yeah. in Olympic lifting, clean and jerk and snatch. Like, yeah. you know, and, and the CrossFit really kind of brought Olympic lifting more to like, I guess, more common. More popular. Well, more to the mainstream. Yeah. More to the mainstream. Yeah. Yeah, so she was the strongest. My work, she was a freak athlete. Like, and, um, and so she ended up being like the top Olymp- Olympic lifter Super competitive. In all of CrossFit. Super like, competitive. Just, like, perfect for you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I got you. <laughs> so we work out together and like actually like compete. And she's the first like person that a like, female I work out with that I dated that like could actually whip my ass. Yeah. Like in like yeah, a workout. And like, somehow it <laughs> So we're her and I are hyper competitive still. Yeah. Like we still work out every morning around six, six thirty in the morning and like <laughs> We do the same workout together, like we're like competing. It's just like that's good for you, dude. It's good for us. Yeah, you know, it's our both of our outlet. That's awesome. So I met her. That 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 changed a lot. And then so I ended. Some woman I was training. She she said, "It's like I want to be in sales." You know, she's like she's like if you're she she had a job recruiting business and she set me up a job recruiting business. I'm like, all right, I don't know what all that is, but I just need a job. Right. So I can go work out. Right. And do this CrossFit. Yeah, thing. I need to. I need to. Yeah, I need like a I need, I need to support you. this this CrossFit habit. And you and I both know sales <laughs> isn't like a job that you right. just show up to and clock in, clock out. Right. So after two months, I hated it. They didn't like me there. They let me go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what I, were you selling? I was selling. I was. It was a job recruiting business. So I was. I was trying to. So you were staffing. You were recruiting people. Staffing. I got you. Okay. Ended up. Um, at that point, trying to staff people for uh, like like writing. I mean, I, I just thinking about it, it makes me cringe. It was like mm-hmm. like uh, uh, software engineers, yeah. things like that. Yeah. I was like, this is just not for me, dude. But it was fine. You know, she was really sweet. She helped me out. You know, I understood. And my first like kind of W two paycheck mm-hmm. that wasn't like it's kind of I don't know. It's a little different thing. I was twenty six. I mean, you understand? Like I matured late. Yeah. Like I wasn't like I was like I don't know. It was my I, most people get that job at twenty two ish. I was 26 trying to figure it out. Um, and then, so after that, so my wife, you know, she, so she, I was like, I'm lost. Mm-hmm. I'm back in my parents. I just got to go to this job. I am not training anyone anymore because I just picked up a job. I had no money. Mm-hmm. And my parents were like, I need to figure it out and like move out. Like, we're helping you. But like, come on now. Yeah. Yeah, by the way, you're 26. You you're too freaking old to be at home. Right. And you're too old to be in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, too old for him. You're right. And all this is true. <laughs> Ironically. Right. Come on, you old man. So yeah. I ended up, no, so she, she, she told me about this company. They're called Athletes to Business and they're a staffing company. Mm-hmm. And so they, they came to Long Beach State at the time and they spoke to her, she was on track team about what they did. And she's like, call this guy, he's Ross Lerner. Give him a call. Yeah. So give this guy named Ross. 
he said, he, I, I'm like, hey man, like, I don't even have my resume. Right. <laughs> Seriously. I was a sociology major and sports. So yeah. He's like, perfect. That's what we do. That's he's cool. like, okay, cool. So he ends up sending me on a three to He's like, and he, he ends up meeting with me, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, what are you into? I'm like, I'm in fitness and, and I like money, but mm-hmm. I don't know anything about it. Right. And he's like, okay. He goes, and he goes, have you ever thought about financial fitness? And I was like, I don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> and so he connected me to get me into financial services. Gotcha. He's like, do you own a suit? And I was like, no. Mm-hmm. So he went and bought a suit. He helped me pick a suit out. Like, you know what I mean? Wow, this guy is full service. He helped me out, man. Um, good dude. Mm-hmm. I still still communicate with him sometimes in this say, you know. But um, yeah, he ended up setting me up with, uh, I'm sorry, Mass Mutual. Which is an insurance company, mm-hmm. yeah, I know about and that. the the head GA of Mass Mutual was um, an ex football coach. Oh, so like this perfect kind of yeah. situation. This guy's a good dude, yeah. but I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, and there's a typical brokerage where it's like, and he was a great guy and all, mm-hmm. but I, I remember I remember setting up in a corner, and I, I said, "What do I sell?" Because mm-hmm. I wanted that license. It took me three times past a, a damn test. Yeah. It's an insurance license, yeah. not even my financial advising license. Yeah, it was an insurance license. I didn't realize it wasn't on salary. I had no idea why I was commission only. Right. I'm like, oh shit, commission only. My parents at the time were like, hated it. You yeah. do not want to be in that business. You don't understand the business. Mm-hmm. My parents, you understand how my parents grew up, very much on their heels, um, and, and like not knowing much about anything. Kind of taught themselves everything. Yeah. Their parents weren't a good example about financing their money. They moved, you know. They, they worked their damn ass off to get where they had to go. Kind of the buy at the house, pay down 30 years model. That's yep. what we know. Yep. Nothing else you should trust. Right? right. And they spent their entire lives protecting you. Right. And so now they're going to try and protect you here. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And so it was a pretty pretty rough time for me because my first year, I think I made $5,000. Yeah. And like, I didn't understand. Welcome to commission sales. But, you know, but what, one thing I understood was is... It was really about like, is is you, one of the things about me like, is you can't sleep on me ever. Right. And I knew that about myself. I'm like, I don't know anything about this. Right. This dude's making that. What are you making? This dude's making that. What are you making? What are you right. making that? What are you guys doing all day? Yeah. And they be golfing. Mm-hmm. Like so, you're golfing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, that's lazy. Right. In my, but you're so you're not really working all day. Right. So I remember setting up next to this guy. He, so he is a big brokerage. It was a big office, but no one's ever in there, right? right. Typical brokerage. So one dude set up. He had an office. Mm-hmm. One, of the, so he actually made money, mm-hmm. and he was a professional. Had a kid. He's in his mid to late thirties. Like knew his stuff, mm-hmm. right? I remember setting up next to him. And be like, dude, can you? T- if I set up an appointment, can you just come with me? Because mm-hmm. I had no one to go with me. Right. And so I sat there and I called and I said, look, I, I don't. Look, I'm selling life insurance. I'm selling some other stuff in college planning. So I was like, I'm gonna call up every boys and girls school, every boys and girls club, every YMCA, and I'm gonna set up college planning seminars. That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. I'm gonna set up seminars everywhere and just go teach people, and then hopefully that produces money. He's like, yeah, that's good, dude. Just let me know when you want me to come. And so next thing you know, I'm setting up these seminars like all the time. Mm-hmm. First, no one shows up, but I'm there. Right. You know, no one shows up, but I'm there. And I started just like booking these seminars. End up getting some traction, right? And at least, and I remember that even Bob, I remember his name was Bob. Bob walked in one day, he's like, I'd be on phones. And I set up a call system for myself, and I just started calling data. He'd be like, dude, you're gonna, be, you're gonna make it. 
Yeah. I was like, I don't even know what, I was like, why wouldn't I make it? Isn't that the point? Right. <laughs> so I, was, I remember laughing because I'm like, where is everybody? Yeah. He's like, they're lazy. I'm like, mm-hmm. so that's it. So if I just got to like do this, I, okay. But you know, it's funny, that place just wasn't the right fit for me. And so I ended up being at a, I was at a party and then I met, I met a other guy that was running all these different offices. They have offices all over the country, this and that. And his name is Rusty. And Rusty in a board for is in a big kind of an EXP model real estate, mm-hmm. like a recruiting model, which I didn't understand. I just took that license. And I told him, I said, he's like, what are you doing right now to get clients? I'm like, I'm setting up seminars everywhere. He's like, oh dude, we do those in, in our offices twice a week. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you see you guys set up seminars in your offices twice a week. I'm like, I'm setting those up all over the town. Sure. And the next thing you know, so he's the you know, he's the broker. And I, as soon as I come in, I was the number one guy. Yeah. So I was like, I'm gonna be the number one guy, I'm gonna do the most sales and all that. And I just started booking, but I was still struggling, like my knowledge wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Rusty was brilliant when it came to numbers and great investor, really savvy when it came to structure, client, like the client profile. I was like, so I really learned a lot yeah. um, from him, you know, and as far as that role went. And like people that I would call on when I started really like getting out there and, and you know, but. I wasn't making enough money, I went, I went to go pick up a part-time job, because I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I need to get my other licenses so I can offer other services, et cetera. But I ended up doing that. You know, I recruited over 440 people in my business in seven years. That's huge. Still have the recurring income from it on the insurance side. And, but it, on that way of doing that, like I was, so I was grinding. I did not like the business very much. It just wasn't for me. People come with real estate all the time. Mm-hmm. And they always had the most money. Mm-hmm. Much you're in real estate. Show me what you're doing. Right. And there was a guy that I met about four and a half years in there, five years in there, that he had a brokerage. Probably one of the most creative people, and I met a lot of people in real estate at this time. Could be, I would say, I learned that he was somewhat crooked once I got to know him mm-hmm. and actually see his operation from now my perspective looking at it. Right. I would say one of the most creative, savvy investors I've ever met by far. There you go. He's on another level. Great communicator, great salesperson, Mm -hmm. slanted in a lot of ways. And I think like I didn't at the time, but he taught me creative finance. Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't understand how you're buying shit with no money or like how, how but I didn't understand cash deals at all. I understood rental plays. I started to really understand. So then I'm looking at my financial business I started to build up, but I do seminars twice a week. I mean, I grind it. I work, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, I don't know if I could have stayed married how much I work really? at that point. Yeah, because my, even my, and my wife at the time was like, that wants to be our lifestyle. It's yeah. becoming, because the, the, the hard thing about financial services is in for that model, because we're not, I'm not dealing with a lot of businesses, I'm dealing with individuals, right. which is really the model, right. is they're, they're only available evenings and weekends. Yeah. You know? So I worked evenings. There was there was nights I wouldn't come home till midnight. Mm-hmm. I mean, legitimately till midnight. Yeah. And then Home the recruiting business. Yeah. Recruiting and but also then I'd be I'd be working on clients for the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was seven days a week. I mean, yeah. Sundays I work mainly off, but it's my Saturdays. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, if I had new new agents coming in, mm-hmm. I'd be training them between nine and like four p.m. Yeah. But you know, I've been there, buddy. So <laughs> that's how I got connected with Ed Milet. Oh, okay. Because Rusty, Hello, Ed. Ed, Ed. So Ed was one of Rusty's mentors, and Rusty got into the business. Awesome. So that's the same company. Yeah. And so 
in terms of like I connected with Ed, with Ed, some really really incredible influencers and communicators, mm -hmm. yeah. and really brilliant salespeople, and people that like just can like create a message that is so like right on. And so I and I know you know so and, and the, the managing brokers under that were just sort of rusty were also these brilliant people like really really smart great communicators I mean great I mean to build business and network marketing like that it's not it's like the brokerage model in general this is why I understand real estate agents so much so when I when when I kind of unpack this business as far as working with agents and brokers I I've known these people for years yeah. It was never hard for me because I was doing it all the time, right? And I understood their psychology because I was one, mm -hmm. but not but not real estate agent. But it's 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 very very similar, right? Right. Gotcha. Um, and so yeah, I mean, so that was at that point like that was I I was like that's this is gonna be my career. Yeah. And then I ended up having some issues in there because I had compliance issues because when you have your securities licenses and people want to come in and. They want to buy it and they have a safe so i look at my i've got half a million dollars mm -hmm. and i want to buy this annuity right and i want to have lifetime income i'd be like you should probably buy a real estate deal yeah and i got ended up getting in trouble with um regulators and our broker because if you refer someone to other services that aren't in the brokerage it's called selling away mm -hmm. and that is a major game mm -hmm. um and that really changed the trajectory of my career because it got to the point where I couldn't offer all these other services. My licenses got paused. Right. I couldn't use them for other things. I was like, I'm now selling only insurance again. Mm -hmm. And this is me being young and dumb and being like, I this is I need to be super creative and very fluid. Mm -hmm. If I can't control things that I think can make the most money, because the way my brain works is this: like, if you sell me all these financial products. Mm -hmm. Here's an annuity, here's life insurance, here's long-term care, here's mutual fund, here's 529, here's an upmod, here's a SEP IRA, here's a Roth, Roth 401k, all that stuff. I know, not only I know the product, I know exactly how it works, right. I know why it works, I know the math to make it work, and I would model out scenarios and learn how to model out scenarios where it wouldn't work. Gotcha. And so I could not sell a freaking product that I knew wasn't the right thing. Right. And so it got to the point where I'm like, wait, so you're selling me as a broker, you're bringing business to me. So I put you in, in different mutual funds. I'm actually taking, and this would be, not, I think I'm doing $50 accounts and making like 30 cents a month on these accounts. I'm like, you can go right to direct. You can go right to, you can go right direct and just go right direct to the carrier and pay way less. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm actually not needed. Right. So I just add on. Yeah. I'm actually not needed. I didn't yeah. understand that. Right. And so what I started to really understand the financial side was like, I'm like, so I started to figure out reasons why I didn't like it. And not that it wasn't, you know, I think it's a great service for people still. I still refer people to certain financial people that I know, but I know that business so well that I had to get out of it. Yeah. I, I, I learned too much. Yeah. Um, and so at the time, this was actually a scary point in my life. Like it was probably, I was making money there, and I, you know, there certainly wasn't. I wasn't broke, but that's when I was like, I had a friend at the time was like, I was like, I'm looking for something different. I'm still in Ventura County. I'm, I'm, I'm applying different sales jobs because mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't want to be on this. I was like, I'll transfer the business under my wife. I'll let her, but, but, so you know, she just had a license. We can get paid on stuff, but like, I was like, and we had we had our first son. We had another one on the way, mm -hmm. and this is June of nineteen. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, June of 19, when I, gosh, 18, June of 18. 
And uh, I'm, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll sell this. Maybe I'll sell, maybe I'll go back in medical sales because all I have is going medical sales. Right? Yeah. Maybe I'll go do that. I know I can sell. Right. I know I can manage. Because that, like, dude, so like what was happening at that point in my life too, those seven years is I didn't drink. I really didn't go out. Like I, I would talk to friends on Friday nights that were like, look, all my friends are a little older, had kids. They call me like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, working on my business plan, working on my recruiting model, mm-hmm. working on this. Like I was working. Mm-hmm. And like on and I'm like, dang, dude, like I was like, I had no social life. Yeah. I really, I really like I pushed every I didn't have a TV in my house for four years. People hated coming around. Because <laughs> you couldn't watch TV. Like I didn't watch football. Really? I didn't do the things that it, it, no, I, I mean, I'd say that like I put myself so all around my, my wife's and I's apartment, a first apartment anyway, were just affirmations. I had dream board up, affirmations. I had I had a couch, a secondhand couch that I got for free. Mm-hmm. I just like that. That was all I did mm-hmm. because like the, when, when you come from like the hardest thing for like I'll say is like in general, when you come from like a middle class family that works their ass off mm-hmm. and sports is like whatever. There's no, here's the problem with coming from the middle is there's no, you're not around enough people that are super wealthy you can right. run from. And you're not around people that are really poor where you feel like I can be really poor and that's scary. So you're really comfortable staying in this little zone. Mm-hmm. I can stay here. Mm-hmm. Things are now nice. I, I'm going to see you on the barbecue on the weekends. Yeah. We're all going to go do our thing. Like mm-hmm. we're hanging out. I never wanted that life. I'd be like, who lives in the, I mean, as a kid, I would talk about this to my mom. There's this house we'd always drive by. It was on top of the hill. And I would say, Mom, it was a man, I was obsessed with mansions. I'm like, Mom, who lives in the house? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, like, how do you get the house? Mm-hmm. How do you get a mansion? She goes, well, you got to make I'm like, why don't we have a mansion? Mm-hmm. And those are like questions I'd ask my parents. So like, my obsession over like being successful, wealthy, all those things was like, so I had my mom buy me a book at 13 called Beating the Streets. It was a stock trading book which was like Chinese to me when I picked it up. Mm-hmm. But I was really interested in money. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, I'm ADHD and diagnosed ADHD where I could never read anything and memory, so I wouldn't buy books. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I could learn, because I'm not kidding. Like in college, I got to watch a demo. I didn't buy a book. I did not buy a book. And this is like good school. I got barely got out of there. But until Audible came out, because mm-hmm. I realized if I listen, and then I go to apply those things. My learning went from like, I could learn so much faster than people. And one of the things I did learn in that state, and so my, when I was working all those years, I, I would do two to three hours of, of a book a day. Cool. Minimum. Yeah. Of sales, mm-hmm. financial, real estate, mortgage, whatever mm-hmm. I could get my hands on that was recommended or you go through Audible, you'll see all these like levels of books. So my upset, I, I didn't have, I didn't have radio in my car. Mm-hmm. So no TV. I wouldn't listen to radio. I said, I'm, I'm un, unfucking myself in some way, and I'm going to get the top of this thing. I'm going to figure it out. And that is, that has been my mentality. So when I came, to, so here's the interesting thing is when I obsessed and over the real estate side, and so my a friend at the time said, look, we need, we're looking for a salesperson. He's like. We're only paying them $15 an hour and the jobs in Newport. I was like, what, what? So he's living in Irvine. He's like, I'm like, so I'm, that's a two hour drive for me. Mm-hmm. And you're looking for what I know now is an ISA. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what are you guys doing? What's the business? He's like, well, we have this hedge fund. 
and the hedge fund's job is to buy fix and flips. Right. I'm like, why are you guys flipping everything? That's a stupid idea. Like, I don't understand why you buy flips because I knew the vocabulary of the real estate side, and I knew the, um, I knew that space. I, and I was like, I was like, and I knew sales. Mm -hmm. Like, and I know how to convert a prospect. I mean, selling people life insurance is incredibly hard. Yeah. That, that's not like an easy sell because it's not most people don't buy it it has nobody to be sold will, nobody wants to talk about that no you know i, I was just tell like you can't <laughs> no one buys it you have to sell it right and i told my agents you have to go sell it mm -hmm. it's not like you know and so when i got i remember getting on the, i walked in so i had because i had such a great network of people i remember talking to guys like hey i need to short sell my house i knew what short sell was mm -hmm. i was like okay i was like hey i have an investment group so won't buy it so I walk in the door, I drive into Newport, you know, meet them, all this stuff. I'm like, okay. What I realized there was a network, the job itself, I'm like, what's this job? I'm like, who are these people in here? And no, people didn't have a college degree and are sitting around the phones, mm -hmm. right? I, mean, I know, I know you've had similar, right? And you mm -hmm. talked about like your transition. And I get into there and I'm like, I'm like, hey, here's a deal, by the way. Mm -hmm. And they're like, wait, what? I was like, I think it's a deal price now. And they're like, um, and I was, like, I was like, it's a short sale. It's a listing, take the listing. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, we're buyers. I'm like, no one's licensing it. No one's take a short sale listing. You could charge a bank 5%. Yeah. And they're like, I was like, you're welcome. Yeah. It's a $500,000 house or something like that, mm -hmm. short sale. I was like, well, you know, go make 25 grand on the deal. Right. Just walk, you walk money in your door. Right. And the, here's, we're, that's my first taste of a guy didn't know what he was doing. Mm -hmm. I realized, I'm like, you just raised how much money? Mm -hmm. And you didn't know that you could just list this person's house. Right. And this guy, like, I know the guy. He was one of, like, my, an agent referral from, like, an agent that I had a long time. I was like, yeah, oh, they're looking to sell. So I get on the phone. So I bring in a referral. I get on the phones. And I immediately was just like, I unpacked the business. Mm -hmm. So what I realized at that time was they didn't have almost anything set up. They had money. They bought houses. They had a system going on the external side. But within, so I'm there for, I'm driving two hours there and I'm driving two hours back. Mm -hmm. 10 to seven was the schedule. Yeah. I'm calling consumers in the evenings and I'm calling agents and brokers in the mornings. And I'm running this kind of playbook that um, I also run, but I'm teaching them like, okay, if you're giving me the calls, here's what we're gonna do. And I immediately was like, okay. And I, told, I have a son, my mm -hmm. other one's coming. I said, look, I'm gonna make calls from Ventura County. I don't need to come all the way down there. Right. I'm sitting in Ventura County one day. I'm in my office still. I was still in my financial office. I'm like, I'm down to help you guys out. And they're like, okay, like, because I was I was I was like, how many deals are you guys buying a month right now? Like, well, uh, and I'm like, how many are you guys buying a month? Like, how much can you, I don't know? I don't know your math. You tell me. It's like, well, we're doing like eight to 10, 15 or so. I'm like, how many are coming from this office particularly? Uh, so I realized that I was covering the call centers now mm -hmm. for like very quickly. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so the guy calls, one of the guy calls me, he's a capital markets guy. He was going to raise about $65 million fund. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting in my office. I'm there for three weeks a month. I'm mm -hmm. like, hey guys, I'm going to call from up here. Like, I'm good. Like, it's cool. I'll come down there, but it's only do twice a week or so or two times a week. And um, he calls me up. He's like, hey, he's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm in my office. He's like, you, can you come down to Newport right now? I'm like, it's like two o'clock. I'm like, bro. Like, he's like, well, I got something I want to want to talk to you about. I'm like, okay. So I drive down to Newport. You know, it takes me two and a half hours, three hours. He's like, I want you to take over San Diego. 
I'm like, okay. He's like, we're going south in San Diego. We're losing money on assets. He's like, he's like, between you and I, you've kept our company in the foot for the last three weeks and like you're just in here doing production. And you talked to me, because he's a capital market, he knows how to raise money. You taught me more about real estate. Mm-hmm. So I was talking about how to lend people money and lean the property, mm-hmm. how a trustee works, mm-hmm. how how we can buy their buy their debt, because they're calling that NOVs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, like these are great. You can get cash deals here. I was like, but there's so much more here that you guys yeah, aren't seeing. Exactly. You can subject to the property, keep it as a lease. You don't need all this. I was like, what does the fund do? Yeah. I don't, I just want to, I was like, what does the fund do? I'm trying to understand what the fund does. Right. And I, because I didn't get, because here's the thing, I didn't give a shit. Right. I, I, at that point, I was married. I had a kid. I had one on the, I had one on the way. I was like, here's, a, here's what you should be doing. Right. Do, what do you need? And so he said, look. I need you, if, if, if you're open to moving your family to San Diego, the role is close to seven figures. And I was like, well, shit, how do I turn that down? Mm-hmm. So I remember driving home, my wife, I'm like, hey, because our family network is built in Ventura County. Sure. I'm like, babe, like, uh, I think we're moving to San Diego. Yeah. That was a significant time because that was a big change because it was such. Like, it was one of those moments where, in the financial business, I always tell people, I would feel like I was in this glass elevator screaming, no one could hear me. Mm-hmm. You could see it, and there was all, I knew, I, there was months, so what started happening, once I had issues with my licenses, mm-hmm. there was months where I generate over 150,000 revenue, and, and I get paid on like 12 grand. Yeah. And I'd be like, I know I can do the production. Mm-hmm. Th- that's not fair, I just don't have an And you're watching the income go somewhere else. To my broker. Yeah, exactly. So, but I don't have an outlet. Mm-hmm. I don't have an outlet. And so this, I was like, I finally feel like I'm seen professionally where I feel like I actually belong. Yeah. But that's, that was a significant pay increase. Absolutely. But how long were you with them? Not long, because, so I was there, I ended up being there 11 months, for right. all, about a year. Is that where you worked with Christian? Yes. Yeah. So Christian taught me renovation up in LA. We had, we spent like a few days together, mm-hmm. you know? And then, um, so, and then I, I was trying, I came down here and I ended up hiring Twelve people mm-hmm. quickly. I knew how to recruit. I knew how to train. I knew how to tap root people. I knew how to go find people who found people. I found new contractors. Mm-hmm. I remember, like I just, it was a commando. Mm-hmm. I was the only person here. You know, there's a great agent up here in San Diego now. He and the network to be able to hire him to help. It's Luke Middleton. Mm-hmm. Luke yeah. Middleton. Luke's group. a real guy. Luke, Luke ran. So Luke ran. I'm a little. I'm like Luke. I don't know shit about renovation. Teach mm-hmm. me. So Luke would teach me renovation. That's you cool. know, it's like because. Here's the thing is like, when you don't know anything, mm-hmm. the best thing is to say, I don't know anything. Right. <laughs> People want to help. Mm-hmm. But I was like, but I, but I knew how to buy deals. Yeah. And that was the thing that like, I was doing, I mean, ask anyone in that office, but I, I, I would bring in seven deals a month, I mean, five to seven deals, period. And I was mm-hmm. like, I didn't know if that was a lot or a little or what. There was a moment where, and Luke and I actually worked on this deal. We had this property over in uh, Mount Helix. This is my first taste of what wholesale was, because mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was. No idea. I knew fix and flip. At that point, I it was immersion, dude. I mean, just like my work up in Ventura County, I worked the same thing there, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. But I'm, at, I'm on projects, I'm learning where plumbing lines go, and all the stuff that my dad taught me growing up mm-hmm. about where how the HVAC works, yeah. and then the home inspections he would do, and I hear him talking about it when I didn't care, right. it was there. I'm like, I understand so this. Yeah, that's what my, that's what my kids, family, that's what my kids are starting to understand. Right. My kids are starting to understand that they know way more than anybody else that way they know because they literally, through osmosis, learned Dude. all this stuff growing up in our house. Dude, I mean, 100%. My dad, same right. way. Same thing. So I walk in, I'm like, I got this, I got this, I yeah. got this. So I had a really good grasp of renovation. 
And my first taste was we had some properties in Mount Helix, San Diego, and there was a massive landslide in the backyard. And it was, ended up being like significant. I think it was a $120,000 job to fix the landslide. So they had to sell this. They had a tenant living in the house. The owner, it's one unloaded cash, right, cash deal. And um, the agent, I'm working with the agent at the time, it's an agent deal. It's just, it's a cattle call of investors, 15 mm-hmm. investors there. Um, and so, but I knew the tenant wanted to buy the property because then I ended up talking to her. She's in there and she's like, I want to buy it. I'm like, I don't know if you guys would qualify. Mm-hmm. At that point, I understood private money, I understood debt, I understood it well enough, right? And um, so I remember getting in, getting the deal, mm-hmm. right? Getting the deal. And and so we were going to flip the thing at like, I think our ARB was like 670 or something. We had like 400 or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was because the house itself didn't mean anything. It was a landslide. Yeah. And um, so I'm gonna call him Bill the you know Bill DeBerry. Did our engineer report, mm-hmm. source report over there. And um, so I'm talking to a tenant, and she goes, "How much would it take to buy this property?" And I'm like, "So we just bought it at 400." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "We probably sell it to you at like 550." Mm-hmm. And she goes, "Okay, can you help me buy it? I have the cash." And I'm like, "Sure." Let me refer to some private money guy because not everyone will lend to a consumer. Right. And um, she ended up running down. I didn't refer her, but she ended up running down debt on her own, and we sold her for hundred for five hundred and fifty thousand. That was the first time that fund had never not touched a house and sold it. Right. It's a hundred fifty thousand dollar deal. I was like, I can fucking I can do this all day. Right. Um, and it was like because I, I build relationships relationships with people and I keep it simple enough mm-hmm. and I just listen to their needs and if they can qualify or something like give me an opportunity to do it right and so I'm sitting there and I'm like okay so my first my 11 months that fund I did two and a half million in revenue that's beautiful my first 11 months right I was like okay like I understand the space mm-hmm. very well and that's when I ended up kind of dreaming up the idea to start my business which was the flip, wholesale, private money lending, creative finance business, because I'm like, I know it so well. You know, I've recently separated from previous partners, and now I have just my own company, and I have great people, great employees, you know, and- but how like, long has it been since the, fund, since the fund? The fund, it's been, that was three and a half years ago. Okay, okay. Yeah, so three so, and a half years ago. So now you're wholesaling private money, Basically, um, private money wholesale. Yeah. My lifetime sale since I started that business, and I don't share this super often, but last year it was seven and a quarter. Yeah. 7.25 million. I've been in my lifetime sales in real estate, because I'm just tracking as much as I can, is always over eight figures. Cool. And like, dude. Yeah. I 26, I was in my parents' house. I'm 37. Yeah. You know? So like Certainly market timing has something to do with those profits because when the market was steaming, but at the end of the day, like I've developed this really good skill set on valuing, buying, acquiring properties mm-hmm. and not being too cute. Yeah. And keeping it simple. Yeah. And being, you know, um, and I realized like if I can build a model, and this is where like for me it's just like I can be as creative as I want to be mm-hmm. within legal guidelines of real estate, but like I can be as creative as I want to be. And I don't need to play by anyone else's rules. Right. Because I think that what's funny in the real estate business, and I, this is in financial services too, is I pay attention, I see agents and I see lenders and all that stuff. And everyone's like, how do you, you know, I get these questions a lot. Like, how did you build it? What did you do? And all that. And I'm like, dude, I just never knew there was any other way. Right. 
And so like almost like the coming from a totally different business was the best thing versus growing up in something where you're you're conditioned that this is how it's done. There's a certain way, It's this is the tradition. One of the things the I definitely knew though, was that the brokerage model was broken. Yeah. It's broken model. It's very, very hard, because I did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I did it in a model like an EXP or like a real, mm -hmm. where you can recruit and you, it's a retention model. Yeah, network marketing type thing. It's a network marketing business, but really what that business is, it's a 1099 model with a career path. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. And so what those guys understood was if I can, and, and then, and there's, it's now as a broker, your profit center is always on the sales, mm -hmm. but your profit center recruiting is also in, in your recruits. Mm -hmm. And so I realized if I can stack revenue different ways in a real estate side, then build a recurring income and really understand the valuations and the debt and the equity and what we're looking like. There's no, there is no greater business to be in. There just isn't. Yeah. Like all money flows towards real estate assets. Mm -hmm. And so I used to I used to go gouge people for gouge people. He put fifty dollars a month put into your college your kids' college fund, mm -hmm. you know, pulling teeth to now people call me saying, Hey, I have a hundred grand, I have two hundred grand, I have a million, I have two million. Yeah. Can you do something with it? I'm yeah. like, I think so. Yeah, so my wife my wife yeah. goes my wife goes on vacation on a, on a trip with a with a friend of hers, her best friend in college. Yeah. And or she says, you know, what's Mike doing now? And she goes, well, he's getting ready to start buying apartment complexes and fixing them up. And she goes, well, we want to invest. There you go. Right? People are coming out well, of the woodwork that's because money, they want to invest money with me. And I'm right. like, I don't know if I, you know, right? I don't know if I want to partner, you know, sure. right? But it's like, yeah. I mean, when you do what we do, yeah. people just come out of the woodwork and they want yeah. to be a part of it. They want to know what you're doing and they're excited about it. So yeah. it's cool. Yeah. So ultimately, like, so like all those, yeah, like, so, you know, that it's the business, it, I just, it's a very exciting business. Like there's so many things I love about it. I love the competition of it, yeah. obviously, like, it's fun. You know, like, and the the coolest thing about, I think the space for me is I can use all those skill sets that I've developed. So the training, the teaching, the education, mm -hmm. the negotiation, the sales, the recruiting, the, like all those skills, I'm like, and so that's why I'm starting like, you know, starting different educational stuff because like, you know, last year, which is, I, I, I did not, you know, I don't know if your, your, your group was nominated. So we like that when San Diego River producers, and I, I didn't know there was a nomination going on for like investor of the year and any of that mm -hmm. stuff. The fact that I got a nomination, I was like, wow, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. It's just all based off how many dang transactions you got. I appreciate it. Just based off transactions, yeah. you know, and I'm like, dang, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, like, um, cause I moved to San Diego, like, I didn't know anybody. Yeah. I didn't know any, like, it was just like, I better go and, mm -hmm. you know, you're like a commando. So, you know, that's, it's just like, it's exciting time. Like, and so that, all that stuff now I'm, I'm watching like a, like a, a training, teaching people how to invest. I'm like, the ways that I understand that I just know produce income, yeah. you know, like, and there's, it's, it's pretty basic fundamental stuff, but like, man, if, it's, if you're not around it, because I know how hard it was for me to learn, mm -hmm. like the thousands of hours, you know, and a lot of it is just self-taught, like a lot of mm -hmm. hearing things. And one of the things that Ed, Ed Milet would always say that always resonated with me is nothing is ever taught, but it's caught. And it's so true. Like what I've really learned is 
is as I cast things from people and then I create my own version of what I think they're saying. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of will back engineer it in the packet. That's how my brain tends to work. Yeah. It's like when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I love Ed Milet. Yeah. I got to get him on this podcast. It's got to be amazing, dude. So I'm going to have, have you help me. Yeah, trust you. Since you know him. I know him decently. Yeah. At well, this point. that's all right. You were part of his organization. That means you're one of his homies. You know? We still have a, we have, it's called, we still, my wife's still a broker in the organization. That's cool. I mean, no, I mean, there's different people in your life that like make that impact, yeah. right? Like, and you know, it's a cool thing, like with all the social media and being able to just find someone you align with on mm -hmm. YouTube or social media that can help. Like, like you're on, you know, let's talk about social media for a second. So you're on TikTok, yeah. you're on Instagram, you're on. I'm starting. Yeah. Um, and I and I love your TikTok, by the way. I I watch your TikToks all the time. I'm following you, okay. obviously, cool. on TikTok. I need to post more. And you know, I, um, I I. I started out list. I started out listening to you talk about stories from investing, and yeah. I was fascinated by that. Fascinated by this stuff because you know I live it every day, right? Every day. And then and then I end up watching uh, your exercise videos where you're working out, you're doing your morning workout, all that kind of stuff, and I'm like, okay, I need to get busy because this yeah. guy's making me look bad. You know what I mean? So um, so it's been motivating. It's been inspiring, man. It's cool. So. Yeah. So you're on, so TikTok, people can find you, Daniel Tremello, right, on, yeah. on TikTok. And it's T-R-O-M-E-L-L-O, right? Yeah. T-R-O-M-E-L-L-O. Yeah. Um, and we'll have your name, obviously, in the, in the um, and, and some links in the in the description. But yeah. Um, so people can find you on Instagram, they can find you on TikTok. I, I didn't realize that you were, that you were doing, you know, you were training and all that kind of stuff and sharing with people what your workout is and yeah. all that. It's pretty cool. It's, it's, yeah, it's so awesome. a, lot of, a lot of the workout stuff I do is, I, I, I have a lot of buddies I'll work out, like we sh will share workouts and talk trash to each other. Yeah. And so it's like my CrossFit buddies, yeah. like my ex-football buddies. Yeah. I'm like, bitch, um, you're not in shape anymore, I am. Right. And like, we just we just jam each other. I can only imagine what the conversation so is like with your wife in the garage every yeah, morning at 6.30, right? Good. <laughs> it's different now, for it's sure. Cool, we were so competitive. Yeah. But yeah, like I'll, I'll, I'll post workouts all the time, and, and a lot of times it's, it's, for my, it's for my friends. I'm like, hey, cool. you gonna do this workout today? Like, That's I know cool. you gonna work out today. That's cool. I somehow developed this like, this mentality, or like this person, I don't know how to explain it, where people come to me and they're like, tell me if they're not healthy or not. I'm like, yeah. I don't, I was like, you don't have to share that. It's like, right. when you're a trainer, you always have it on your face. Mm -hmm. You're like, you know, I ate like crap yesterday, and I haven't worked out, and I'm like, okay, I'm like, okay. Cause they're like, and it, it's it's funny, cause they're like, um, it's, I'm like, it's okay. Like, we all yin and yang, man. Right. As long as you're yin right. as long as you're still staying healthy and working out. Yeah. You know? You're either spiraling upward or you're spiraling downward, so baby. Some messes all <laughs> it's a spiral either way. Right. I know. It's, yeah, but health is everything, man. It is. I agree. And moving your body is so important. Like, yeah, health stuff for me is like, it's a non negotiable. Yeah. Well, growing up the way you grew up. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, and, you know, being an athlete and all that, I mean, that's, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Listen, I really appreciate your time. You've got to go because you've got another appointment. I but I really appreciate your time, and I know our listeners do. Yeah. I know that they picked up a ton of information and a ton of nuggets from this. And I really, really appreciate being in business with you. Yeah. And I appreciate your friendship. And thanks you again too, for being here, buddy. Thanks, brother. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Take care, okay? We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you.
And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out Calvinly.com slash Rio 760.